welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And how the heck are you? How the hell are you? I don't know why I always get a southern accent when I say that. So here I am talking to you, and this week is Valentine's Day. Now, Valentine's Day has a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure around it. So it's supposed to be all lovey-dovey romance, you know, l'amour. Maybe it's a night of sex or passion or just being romantic or chocolate. Who knows? You know, but there's a lot of pressure on it. Like I remember so many years, I would put so much pressure on whoever I was going out with to have a romantic Valentine's Day. And we'd have to have the best restaurant and the corner table and everything would have to be perfect. And interestingly enough, I almost always wound up having a terrible, terrible fight on Valentine's Day because we were putting all that pressure on ourselves. It had to be perfect. It had to be this. It had to be that. It's a lot of chazerai. So now I've gotten smarter. And now I just feel like Valentine's Day should just be about feeling love and joy and kindness for someone else. It doesn't even have to be your lover. It could just be a friend. I mean, I think it's totally cool to go out with a bunch of friends on Valentine's Day. As a matter of fact, this year, my girlfriend Lila and I decided that what we were going to do on Valentine's Day, instead of trying to force ourselves to be romantic, you know, you're together for 14 years, and sometimes it's hard to be romantic, you know what I mean? So we decided what we're going to do is have a double date. There's another couple that we really like, and... We're all just going to go out and have a double date and go out to dinner and have fun. And if we get there early enough, we'll have the early bird special because evidently I'm old enough to care about the early bird special and happy hour and things like that. But whatever, Diano, it's just going to be a fun night with friends. No pressure. So my gift to you this Valentine's Day is just, just to get rid of the chazerai and rid of the pressure and all that stuff. And if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or whatever it is, just why don't you just make a deal to just enjoy each other? That could mean just staying in and ordering in Chinese food and watching Netflix. You know, that sounds like a great Valentine's Day to me, actually. So I release you from the pressure that we like to put upon ourselves. Now, recently, I've been having lots of occasions where I have to put together a meal with about five minutes notice. Has that ever happened to you? It seems to be happening to me a lot lately. And it used to be something I loved. I remember when I was a starving artist and I would always have these bizarre care packages from my mother. They would be Tam Tam crackers always, matzah, generally stale. Hebrew National hot dogs, always Hebrew National salami, usually. Um, Ragu tomato sauce, always. Tuna fish in water in the can, always. All these things. And I was so poor. When they would show up, oh my God, it was like as if I got a million dollars. And so I would have my drunken stoner friends come over and we would all smoke a joint and suddenly everyone would be starving. 
And everyone would look at me like, Rossi, save us. We were all, we're all starving. And so I'd go in the kitchen. I'd be like, hmm, what shall I do? Okay, I'll heat up the water, throw some of the four for a dollar penne or macaroni my mother shipped off to me, boil some pasta, heat up the ragu tomato sauce, strain the tuna fish and water, add it to the tomato sauce, dump in some olives, some dried oregano, which was one of the only seasonings my mother believed in. It was dry oregano, paprika, pepper, and guilt. Those were the only seasonings she believed in. Anyway, sometimes I'd dump in a can of peas, because why not? And I would wind up with something sort of kind of like pasta puttanesca. If you ever had pasta puttanesca, you got a little fish thing happening. Could be sardines or tuna. You got the capers and olives, things like that. Anyway, kind of along those lines. And when you think about pasta puttanesca, that was the idea, which basically means pasta of the whores. So the um, prostitutes, I guess, in Italy would come home after a hard night's work having sex with strangers and they'd be starving. So they'd open their cupboards and what would they have? They'd have anchovies and tomato sauce and pasta and olives and they just throw it all together and there you got pasta of the horse and it's fabulous. So recently I have found myself in the I have to throw a meal together in five minute situation a lot and I don't know why that is but I have found myself in that situation. So we had our friend Stephanie over. Shout out to you, Stephanie. Stephanie is a really, really talented yoga instructor. And the first time I ever met her, she was doing, I guess it was kind of a senior citizen yoga class. And I was only in my 40s, I think. I was a young thing, so certainly too young for this class, but that was perfect for me because since I never did yoga, they were actually eons better than me, so it kind of worked out. Anyway, so my girlfriend, Lila, got me to go to this class, and the instructor is this beautiful woman with this kind of auburn red hair, and she's doing the class, and there's maybe, I think, about 20 people in the class, mostly women, but a couple of men, and she wanted us all to pay attention to um, her her lower back, I guess. I'm going to say her butt. Her butt. Her tuchus. And so the area she wanted us to pay attention to is the sacrum, which I guess that's kind of the lower back, sort of like between the tushy and the lower back. And so she was demonstrating this pose, and she said, this is my sacrum. And she's bent over, and she's showing her ass look what I do to my sacrum. Can you see my sacrum? Pay attention to my sacrum. And so all the women, the yoga women, they're being, you know, so good. They're like, oh yes, we can do the same thing. We're showing our sacrum too. But the men in the class, well, they were taking it in a whole different direction. They were like, yeah, baby, I see your sacrum and it's mighty fine. And I'm just cracking up. I'm like, this is two steps from yoga porno. You know what I mean? Anyway, we've been friends with her ever since, and Lila and I are, and her are really good buddies. And so I do like to give her a healthy amount of crap when I see her. I say, hey, Steph, how's your sacrum? Anyway, so she went out for a power walk with Lila, 
which was great because that left me alone to channel my inner child and meditate and think about life and I don't know, look at Facebook. But when they came back from their power walk, they were starving to death. And they were like, oh no, what do we do? And I'm like, here we are, and no one's even stoned on marijuana. So I said, this is like a good challenge for me. So what did I have in the fridge? I had my own version of a prostitute's delight, I suppose. I had a Jewish American princess's delight. So I had cucumbers and tomatoes, so I knew I could kind of, and I had red onion. So I put together a kind of a sort of Greek meets Israeli salad with the diced cucumber, the diced tomato, and the diced red onion. And I had some baby spinach, and I mixed that in too. So just kind of a healthy Greek-ish sort of salad. And I made a dressing out of mustard and virgin olive oil and balsamic vinegar and some thyme and some oregano. And then I wanted to make it have an interesting sweet turn, so I added a little maple syrup. And so the maple syrup and the mustard and the vinegar and the whole thing was delicious. So I mixed up my cucumber and tomato and my onion and my spinach and there we already have a gorgeous salad. But that's not enough for lunch, is it now? No, it certainly isn't. So I said, maybe I'll just, for the hell of it, chop up some carrots and mix that in too. That was a nice little thing, still not enough for lunch. So then I decide I'll go a step further and I hard boiled some eggs, except I kept them a little bit soft. So I like my eggs really hard boiled. I like them. I like there to be no doubt that they're cooked, but I know Lila is a slightly under girl. So I put my eggs in the pot, covered it with water, brought it to a boil. And in about eight minutes, I took them out. I would leave them in normally longer. And I peeled them. They were hard-boiled enough to peel, cut them in half so they were kind of soft on the inside, sprinkled them with a little sea salt, had that on the side of the Greek salad. But that wasn't enough. I don't believe that was enough for lunch. So I sprinkled the salad with some toasted walnuts too. Still not nearly enough. So what did we have? We had some spaghetti squash. And so why not? Have you been turned on to spaghetti squash yet? I think it's the sexiest thing going. Here I am, a gluten-free girl, so I can't really have spaghetti unless it's gluten-free spaghetti, but somehow the idea of a squash that's kind of like spaghetti is great. There's a lot of ways to make it, but the easy way is you cut it in half. You kind of grease up the top with a little oil or butter or something. I like to wrap the whole thing in foil and throw it in the oven until it's nice and soft. And then you just take, and you also have to make sure, by the way, you get rid of all the seeds. They're kind of a pain in the neck to get rid of, but just scoop them out and get rid of them. So after your spaghetti squash is nice and soft, then you take two forks and you just kind of rake the insides out and you just leave the shell and you throw the shell in the garbage. And the insides really feel like spaghetti. I mean, it's kind of a trippy thing. Now, you could eat it right then and there like that, but what's the fun in that? So I like to saute it in a little oil or with half olive oil, half butter. And I'll give it salt and pepper, of course, but then some Italian seasoning, oregano and thyme. If I have garlic, I'll throw that in. And then I like to give it a nice helping of Parmesan 
And in this case, we also had mozzarella. It's a beautiful thing. And now we have a proper lunch. A lot of other things you can do with spaghetti squash, by the way. You can just treat it just like spaghetti. Put it on a plate and cover it with sauce and Parmesan. It's just gorgeous. It's really sexy. I had some spaghetti squash the other night and I sauteed it as a side dish for steak. And so I just sauteed it in oil, gave it cracked pepper and sea salt and a little drizzle, little baby drizzle of white wine, because why not? Anyway, it's a sexy thing. So my point is, it's kind of fun to do these five minute meals without warning. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, life is so unpredictable. It's just nice to have things in your arsenal that you can whip together without warning. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Jelly Bean. And on that note, my girlfriend Lila and I went over to her sister V's house the other night. And poor V was exhausted because she's been entertaining so much. She's had her daughter over. She's had her husband to cook for. She's had her mother-in-law to cook for. She's had just an arsenal of people to take care of. And she was full out exhausted. And so she generally just does all this beautiful cooking. And I took one look at her and I knew that she was exhausted. And she's such a sweet, kind woman. So I kind of uh, begged her to let me jump in. And she was very happy to sit back and relax and get a little bit of a little rest. And so I put together this nice little quickie meal for her, too. She had the London broils. You remember last time I talked to you about the London broils? And that's an interesting thing because London broil we always associate as that's a cut of meat like a kind of a sirloin, usually a lesser expensive cut of meat. It usually needs some marinating and some help. But the name London broil actually kind of refers to the method of cooking, the marinating and the searing on both sides and the cook. You know, anyway, I digress. But generally, it's sort of a less expensive sirloin. So she had the London broil and she marinated it overnight in balsamic and oil and mustard and cracked pepper. It was perfect. And then I threw it down. I threw it down, baby. I got a pan really hot. Threw it down. Yeah, baby. And really seared it. And let it just kind of let it brown, brown, brown and sear for about six minutes. And then I flipped it over and let it do the same thing on the other side. And just let it go, 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 go. And then I just kind of lowered the heat and let it continue to cook a little bit till I was sure that we had a rare to medium rare inside, took it off, and then I deglazed. We love that deglazing. The first thing I did was I poured all that marinade that it had been cooking, had been marinating in, poured it into a pot and reduced it. Now, that's in a separate pot, and then I deglazed the pan, the steak. I just put the steak in with red wine, and I added back in the reduced marinade, and it wanted a little love, so I whisked in a little bit of tamari and adjusted the seasoning. It wanted a little sweet. And there again, I gave it a tiny, tiny drizzle of Worcestershire and a tiny drizzle of maple syrup. It all came together for this sexy pan sauce. Now, when the steak actually really, 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 like any steak people don't realize, after you cook it, you really have to let it rest. You don't, if you cut right into it, it looks like a Freddy Krueger movie. You know, like Friday the 13th, the steak. You really have to let it rest so it kind of comes together. 
and then you cut it across the grain in these nice thin strips. You arrange them all on a plate. You pour your beautiful pan sauce over the steak. You can garnish it with chives or scallions or parsley, and you don't have to. And it's just a sexy, a sexy piece of meat. Again, with a five-minute meal. And I've also been cooking a hell of a lot of broccoli lately. So if in my fridge I have a couple of heads of broccoli and some salad and some onion and tomato and cucumber and olives and vinegar and mustard and good olive oil, you know I can always throw a meal together in five minutes flat. So what's the moral of this story? There really isn't. It's not like I have a particular recipe to give you today. I more just wanted to talk about being spontaneous. So I'm the big fan of that kind of supper. You know, I I think I lived a lot of my life putting together these crazy meals with no notice whatsoever. It's just kind of fun. I do like a challenge. I suppose I would maybe do well on that show Chopped, but honestly, it gives me far too much anxiety, so I really can't deal with it. Now, lately, I find myself thinking a lot about my sister, my sister Yaya. She's been on my mind a lot lately. Now, if you've been listening to my show, you know that we lost Yaya um, in 2022, very sadly. And my sister was a very complicated person. She really, she, she really had some demons that plagued her most of her life. And I guess most of my adult life, I tried to save her. I don't know if you know what that's like, but it really is not so easy to save another person, not from mental issues or physical issues, or it's just they kind of have to save themselves, you know. But I always loved her, and she had a childlike abandon that I just adore. Lila's been bringing her up a lot. And some of her, the words and the language she used, we find we're using them now. Like, my sister had a thing about putting an S in front of an N. So she would never say not nice. She would say snot's nice. And I think a lot about that. So my mother, Harriet, she had a way of serving dinner that was not for the faint of heart. So... My mother had a lot of gastronomic issues. So we'd sit around on this dinette table in our kitchen. There'd be my father at the head of the table who said very little and just shoved food in his face and swallowed it without chewing. There'd be my brother who generally spent most of the meal sucking up to my mother and complimenting her endlessly and waiting for praise from her. And humming. There'd be my sister who spent the entire meal asking for money, generally speaking, or she wanted the Barbie doll or the Malibu Barbie camper or she wanted, you know, something. There'd be me who just wanted to be left the hell alone. I wanted to eat something, go up to my room, shut the door and just play my music and turn on my black light and open my window and sneak cigarettes and just be in my own zone, you know. So my mother would be serving this meal, and it would be something like veal meatballs. That was before I found out where veal came from, and I boycotted it ever after. I do not like to eat baby cows. No, thank you. But it'd be like veal meatballs or turkey meatballs or goulash or some pasta. It was always a pasta or cabbage and noodles, a Hungarian delight that consisted of cooking down cabbage and onions forever, 
in my mother's case, and margarine and cracked pepper, and then just mixing it with egg noodles. Anyway, so plop, plop, plop. She'd put it all, all of our plates, and we didn't have plates. We had paper plates, because my mother didn't want to wash dishes. And we didn't have cups or glasses. We had Dixie Riddle cups. Do you remember those? You spin them around, and they ask a riddle, and then you spin them around, and it gives you the answer. I mean, we were not a fancy family. And the tablecloth was like this plastic paisley tablecloth. That when I, I guess the first time I saw a photograph of sperm, I thought, that's what that tablecloth really was, a whole table full of floating spermies, you know? I don't think that's what my parents were going for. But so my mother's kind of going around the table, plop the goulash on each of our plates. And we're like eating these giant wedges of iceberg lettuce. And we had no real knives. They were like plastic knives or butter knives. And it was not, not an easy meal to get through. But while my mother was serving the food, she would start farting. And it's not like a normal fart. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I could teach a course on farting because there are like the polite little valley girl valley girl farts, you know. Those might be like bloop, 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 bloop. I just dropped a pebble. Bloop, 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 bloop. There's sort of like a, you know, frat boy, college drunken frat boy farts, which is more like, Bleh! you know, rude, accompanied by several burps, of course. But um, my mother's farts were more like a train was coming by. It's like a combination of a train and, and a huge bag of air with a hole poked in it. And they were just very loud. They had a lot of vibrato, and they lasted forever. So she's serving the food plop goulash, plop this, plop that, and out would begin the train, the locomotive, you know, endless. I'll spare your eardrums, but trust me, you could, it was something that could not be ignored. And so my father, who really was a man of no words, he didn't even want to say shut up, because that was two words. He would say shop. He would just go, Rawr. he had his face full of food, so he would go, ha. That was kind of his commentary. And my brother would go, skunk, 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 skunk. And my sister would just sit there shaking her head back and forth and back and forth and saying, snot, snice, snot, snot, snice. I laugh hysterically about it now. And of course, I just sat there going, Mom, that's disgusting. That is so gross. Which began a huge battle because my mother did not want us using the word gross as a bad thing because her maiden name was gross. Her father's name, he came from Hungary, was gross. So that became a huge tirade. Stop saying gross. That was beautiful Jewish name and then they ruined it they ruined it stop saying that they ruined it so they by the way are the same people who ruined hard-boiled eggs hard-boiled eggs used to be a wonderful thing until they ruined it they ruined it by making them Easter eggs and they are the same people who ruined pine trees pine trees used to be beautiful until they ruined it they ruined pine trees by making them Christmas trees. So 
Anyway, you can see how this meal was a little bit problematic, but I think I'm thinking a lot about Yaya, who just sat there. Snot's nice, snot, snot's nice. And she loved to just provide a commentary for life. And generally the commentary always had to rhyme. So we went out to dinner one time. I was always taking her out whenever I would come to town. I would take her out to lunch or dinner and try to bring her to a nice place. But the rule of thumb was any restaurant I brought her to had to be a place I never wanted to go to again because I made the mistake of taking her to restaurants I did want to go to again, and then I never could go there again. And that is because it was very unpredictable what Yaya might do. I took her to a restaurant one day, and when the waiter wasn't paying attention, she ran around and opened all the salt and pepper shakers so that all the diners, as they came in, if they used the salt and pepper, it would all collapse onto their food and ruin their food. So needless to say, I could never go there again. So we were in this higher-end, sort of-ish, Italian-ish, capital I-C-H, I-S-H, I mean, not too high-end, but, you know, better than Denny's. We're in this, you know, okay Italian restaurant, and the waiter makes a mo- he dumps something over. I guess he dropped a glass or something, made water was on the floor. And so my sister said a word I can't say on the radio. Um, it starts with F and it rhymes with bucket. So she said the F word and then bucket. So the F word and get a bucket. So she's kept saying that back and forth. This doesn't work when I can't say the F word, but what can I do? Public radio, exhausting. Anyway, so everything had to have a rhyme. And instead of saying goodbye, it was always chow for now. And whenever she did something really horrifying, she would then say, next time, it cost a dime. I don't know, it's kind of adorable. Maybe you just had to kind of be there, but no one could make me laugh like my sister. She made me laugh until I cried. We went out to a diner. Lila reminds me of this all the time. We went out to a diner, and my sister was reminding me of when we thought we, well, we thought I had killed my little brother because he was up terrorizing us. And then I kicked him in the butt, and he went flying, but he was kind of laid out on the ground for a while. And my sister affectionately used to call my brother Bastard. That was her name for him. The other name was Cockroach. She loved to chase him around with a broom, screaming, kill the cockroach. So when I kicked him in the butt, he went flying, and my sister said, you killed Bastard. I think you killed Bastard. But in fact, he got up five minutes later and started terrorizing us again. And now, of course, my baby brother is also gone. I know you know that if you've been listening for a while. We lost Mendel last year. Uh, Very sad. On both their cases, they were far too young. But I am getting a lot of pleasure thinking of the two of them driving each other crazy right now. I know that my sister is chasing my brother all over heaven with a broom screaming, kill the cockroach. And my brother, I'm sure, is giving it back to her like only he could. So life is short. It really is. And since life is so short, you really have to live it. Try making some fun meals with just, turn, you know, put a timer on 10 minutes and open your fridge and just have fun. 
put some creation together that you can make in 10 minutes. And this Valentine's Day, take all the pressure off yourself, all of it, and just have fun and joy and love. You don't have to go out for an expensive restaurant. It doesn't have to be snooty. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to share love. And it doesn't have to be with your lover or husband or wife or any of that either. You could go out and share love with your friends. Some of the best times I ever had in my life on Valentine's Day were with my friends. So on that note, I'm going to shut the hell up because life is short. And I'm going to go and probably watch some television with my girlfriend. And I think we're going to watch True Detective. We both love Jodie Foster. I mean, how can you not? She's fabulous. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, for raging and eating. And as always, food is love, and so are you. Happy Valentine's Day.